Marini's Media. Net busting at Wickham, net bulging for Cambridge, nobody's perfect anymore, and Forrest done a win. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello listener, delighted to have your company this week as we trawl through the never-ending narratives of the English Football League. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, yeah, I keep getting work. With me, a trio of football fanatics. Uh, like me, Sam Parkin was head boy at school. Unlike me, his role was largely ceremonial. Also, unlike me, Sam played for 10 EFL clubs. How are you doing, old boy? I'm doing well, Matt. Good to see you, hear you. Likewise, likewise. Uh, my next guest is closing in on 50,000 Twitter followers. Is he using that platform to promote good causes or to take digs at Spurs? Head to at Adrian J. Clark to find out. <laughs> Greetings, Clarky. <laughs> oh, I couldn't resist. I really couldn't <laughs> resist yesterday. I mean, so many Spurs are going to win the title tweets were knocking around at 3-0. It was just, um, it was, they were asking for it. So, yeah, pleased, to, it. pleased to oblige. And it's a broad grin that you're sporting. Uh, also, back for her second appearance. Not enough time to list all the credits, so I'll just say from BBC London and pretty much every other podcast you listen to, helping me further the cause of the double-barrelled surname is Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Happy birthday, Flo. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was yesterday, but um, I was working all weekend, so I think this is sort of my fake birthday today where I'm actually at home and getting to relax a little bit. Are you still of an age where by a lot of your presence are Queen's Park Rangers themed? I, I, I put it this way, Matt. I'm on the wrong side of 20. That's what I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> but no no QPR themed gifts this, this year. That's normally a Christmas thing, I think. OK, well, not long to wait for that. Performance of the weekend. Right, let's kick off in the manner in which has become tradition. It's time for our performance of the weekend. Uh, 15 seconds per person to put forth a case for the best EFL showing by a team this weekend. Last time out, it was an overwhelming 61% victory for me and crew Alexandra. To quote the big man, woof. Also, Clarkie still to get off the mark. Bergkamp at Arsenal vibes here. So I'm going to let you go first this week, Adrian. <laughs> uh, you have selected John Yems and our friends at Crawley Town. Your 15 seconds start now. If you beat the league leaders 4-0, you win performance of the week. That is the rules, I'm afraid. In this case, it's even more of a Stonewall winner because three of the four goals were absolute beauties. Super sub Max Waters grabbed a brace on debut and John Yems called his players gits. Yeah, yeah, very good. Timing's getting really good. Um, Flo, you've gone for a championship side, namely Barnsley. Your 15 seconds starts now. Yeah, after having dealt with the departure of Gerhard Struber, fantastic performance to get a point against an informed Bristol City team. Against all odds, poor start to the season for Barnsley already, but picking up points against one of the informed sides who I think are also... Promotion. Yeah, just a little bit of an experience showing at the end there. Um, I'm going to go next. Guess who I've chosen? It's Forrest. Uh, my 15 seconds start now. Tongue slightly in cheek here, but hey, when you've waited more than three months for a win, you'll take it any old way. One in a row now for the two XCCs after Lollipop won in late at Blackburn. Three points and a first clean sheet in 12 attempts. The king of pra- the king of pragmatism is dead. Long live the king. <laughs> Got it in the 15 seconds there. It's a shame. Oh, well, rounding us off, Sam Parkin and Cambridge United. Your 15 seconds start now. Second 5-0 away win this season, taking them top of League Two. 26 shots, 69% of the ball. This was a chasing experience for Scunny. Paul Mullin onto seven goals for the season. Harrison Dunk, exceptional on his 300th appearance. Mark Bonner, four defeats in his 20 games in charge. Un. Good efforts, good efforts all. Uh, head to at the Totally Show on Twitter to vote. This news just in, listeners. The Athletic is extending its £1 a month offer for all new subscribers, meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts for just a quid. This deal won't last forever, though, so don't miss out. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash show. 
Right, we'll get reviewing matches soon, but since Thursday's show with George and Ali, Project Big Picture was told to do one. The EFL also said similar to the proposed £50 million bailout that was offered by the Premier League, essentially because it was a crummy offer of £20 million and then £30 million more in loans and the Championship weren't included. Remember, they wanted £250 million for the EFL and would have got it via Project Big Picture. Uh, the offer remains. All EFL clubs can approach the Premier League if they need the cash. Uh, Adrian, are the EFL as a whole right to turn their nose up at this, do you think? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to turn your nose up at, at free money, isn't it? Especially when you're when you're in desperate need of it. But, yeah, I, th- I think they were right to stick to their guns. You've got to be unified as, as a collective. And to exclude the championship, I thought, was a bit harsh. And I, I get it from Premier League points of view. Championship clubs are, have bigger revenue streams and are more likely to be their immediate rivals sometime soon. So I I get it, but I think you've got to help everybody out. We're all in the same boat here, aren't we, across the EFL? We're all struggling. So, And and it was a, you used the phrase crummy, it was a bit tight, wasn't it? I I, I don't think it was going to make a big difference. And look, if if £250 million was going to be made available or, or could potentially be made available, if you play by certain clubs' rules, then... Then, then, then surely they've got to stump up more than twenty. And also on the on the on the spare thirty, how was that going to work? You know, did you have to wait for for a club literally to be a day away from going bust before you gave them some money or not? How how was that going to work? It was it was just a little bit derisory. I I, I felt and and also on the on the bottom of the statement from from the Premier League clubs, it also said this offer comes. You know, uh, considering. We lost a, hundred, a collective a hundred million pounds, you know, during lockdown or whatever. I can't remember the exact phrase, but it was basically to say we're short too. Um, so, so basically, take it or leave it. I, I just felt it was too small an amount. Flo, Mark Pelias on, on Thursday's show said that Tranmere had budgeted for, for a whole season without crowds. Heard Darren McAntony on the radio saying Peterborough had done something similar, albeit helped by the money they got for, for Ivan Tony. Do you think if, if EFL clubs do need this money, it should be means tested to some extent, as in if you're running your football club prudently, then fine, we'll help you. But but if you've spent money recklessly, then it's not really the pandemic that, that is the main cause for you getting in this trouble. And, and therefore, you know, it's a bit more difficult to justify just handing out cash? Yeah, definitely. I think where the exception might need to be is if you if it's almost through no fault of your own, which is kind of a loaded phrase, but if perhaps you had an owner that recently left and you're kind of falling and sinking pretty quickly and you need rescuing that way, then I don't think you should be punished because of the actions of someone who previously owned the club or, or someone who was running the club. So, but you... In that sense, I think there should be some exceptions. But broadly speaking, yeah, I don't think there should necessarily be too much support to some of the clubs who don't seem to be taking it that seriously, to be honest. And I think I know we're going to talk a little bit about transfers, but Cardiff City spending 1.2 million on a loan fee for Harry Wilson and paying part of what is arguably must be the most expensive wages in the championship obviously okay they're only paying part of his 60 grand a week but it seems like I'm I I can understand why the general public and and others in football are thinking you know cry me a river here because it's a bit like the Premier League not offering that much and people saying oh you're still willing to spend 70 million quid on a player at the same time championship Teams are still, and Forrest being one of them, still willing to spend a shed load of money in the hope of getting promoted this season. And that's why I think it, with the Championship, Adrian mentioned it, there is an exceptional case for that league because there's so many different scenarios and situations going on. You've yeah, got but, but, some but clubs... But, but Wickham would, would be on a completely different scale. Preston haven't spent any money. I'm assuming they're just being more sensible than some of the others. You know, should they... Should they put themselves in, you know, in a really precarious position? Um, I don't know. It's, it's it, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. It's not a good look, is it, when you're spending that amount of money on a loan fee and then asking for money? I definitely get that. But, yeah, but I think the championship. Not every club's the, the same. The championship should definitely be means tested in in the sense of almost looking at what the outgoings are, not even just how the running of the club is, but for those that are running things sustainably 
there should be a reward for that as well because otherwise what is the reward what's the point in being sustainable because what are you getting out of it you're only getting punished now more for for, for your you know economic knack Sam, lastly on this, do you think that, that Rick Parry and Co rejected this offer thinking, well, there'll be another one to come along, which will be better? And it's it's a bit of the brinkmanship that we spoke about with Project Big Picture. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, but there seems to be so much infighting between um, the, the hierarchy at various organisations. I don't really know what is going to happen next. But yeah, I think... The, the guys have explained the reasoning probably behind the decision to turn it down and the, and the problem being that there is such a discretion a discrepancy sorry between some of the clubs obviously the promoted clubs last year from from league 1 into the championship they're going to need financial support just like the teams down at the bottom um ends of of league 2 so that that's the problem everyone's going to need some kind of financial support but in terms of that offer if we're talking about 250 million 50 million where 30 million of it is grant seems well short and they were right to to be quite noble i suppose and, and fight the corner of their members all right it'll rumble on ali and george i'm sure we'll have more on it on thursday let's talk about actual football though we'll start in the championship this season the premier league is going to be a little different but at paddy power we're trying to look at the upside avoid unnecessary journeys that's fulham's trip to anfield off self-isolate some midfielders do that very effectively avoid european travel shouldn't be a problem for everton fans when you think about it not that much has changed really new normal same old football just like paddy powers acker cracker get a free bet if one leg of your four plus fold acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets paddy power max free bet 10 pounds min odds one to five on each leg online exclusive exclude shop bets t's and c's apply plus be you're listening to the Totally Football League Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines, Bristol City and Reading remain unbeaten, but both could only draw at the weekend. It's Hute in and Hute win at Forest. Lonnie cuts inside, Lonnie has a go and Lonnie gets lucky. In the Gary Monk derby, it was Monk who came out on top after Sheffield Wednesday beat the Blues. But in the Nathan Jones derby, it was the X who scored after Stoke bested Luton. And at Carrow Road, 200 fans piled into the hospitality suites to watch the Canaries at Rotherham. Because you can't have fans at grounds, but you can have them watching on a screen in the stadium. More of that happening this coming weekend too. Um, Adrian, on that, it's a nice idea to watch on a screen at the ground, get a bit of atmosphere, etc. But it just kind of underlines the stupidity of not being able to watch in an open air setting. Yeah, it seems crazy, doesn't it? It's it's so so frustrating for for all concerned, and and the need for that that bailout money would subside, wouldn't it? If clubs were allowed to even bring in a fraction of of the fans that they used to have. You know, a, a thousand fans inside any football stadium, big or small, is 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 very manageable, and, and a thousand paying customers to a League Two side or even the League One will, will will help, won't it? It's it does seem daft. Um, I saw clips of Dulwich Hamlet's uh, women's team in the FA Cup action at the weekend, almost six hundred at the stadium watching watching that game in a non-league ground, and it all went swimmingly. Just yeah, I can't really believe that, that that we're going to have to sit and wait until the new year for any fans to enter EFL stadiums. It's, it seems a nonsense. Uh, let's get on to the games then. We'll stick with you, Clarkie, beginning at Kenilworth Road. Nathan Jones, old club Stoke, beating Nathan Jones, current club Luton 2-0. If you're listening on Thursday, you were promised Nathan Jones today. You can probably guess why he didn't fancy talking <laughs> about the match again. So we've got Adrian to uh, to tell us about it, which some would say is even better. Probably wouldn't count myself as one of those people. But um, has Luton's luck run out, Clarkie? You know, statistically better team in all but, but scoreline, but but just couldn't convert any chances. Yeah, uh, outrageous from Jonesy. Um, I'm sure he'd come on another time. We, we wouldn't have dwelled on this game. He had nothing to worry about. Um, no, Luton weren't disastrous, were they, in this game? 18 efforts, seven on target. Just just five margins. But, but I'd rather... I don't think Luton have too much to worry about. They're going in the right direction. Brought in some good players as well during the window. I think I think they'll be fine. Um, but Stoke, I mean, this was another really professional away performance. Yet to concede on the road in any match, in any competition this season. And they've played a couple of Premier League teams in, in the League Cup. So they really have got it down to a tee. The keeper is, uh, is doing well, Adam Davis. Nine clean sheets in 13. 
And and I do I do like the way that they're set up. The spine of Stoke City's team is good. The uh, three centre halves at the weekend: Suter, Bath, and Collins. A couple of youngsters in there with uh, Klukas and uh, Obi Mikel in front. That's that's solid. That really is. And and you know when you look at the top end of the pitch, a front three of Powell, Tyrese Campbell, flanking Stephen Fletcher. There's quite a lot to like there. So, so yeah, good, good on Stoke City. Another good performance. Should be noted that they've that Michael O'Neill has, has lowered the age of the team. Quite a few younger guys in there now. Tyrese Campbell still only twenty, by the way. So yeah, it's it's looking good. What I'll say is that on home turf, they probably need a bit more creativity, a bit more imagination inside the final third. But the combination they used the other day with Powell on the left being a bit more disciplined than he is when he's free. And with Therese Campbell, who's got a bit of pace about him, I think they've got something of everything there. You've got the target man, you've got you've got a quickie who can, who's got skill and can make things happen, and you've got Nick Powell, who, who can be a match winner. So, so, yeah, Stoke heading in the right direction, I think. Yeah, and Totally Football League show bingo for this season. We've ticked off the mention of a player whose dad was a player in Tyrese Campbell. I think we've done one of those literally every week this season. Um, Barnsley 2, Bristol City 2 next. Bristol City's perfect record fell to Oakwell. 102 minutes on the clock when Corley Woodrow converted a penalty to ensure shared points. Adam Murray's first match in his second spell as caretaker manager. His team ahead, behind and then level. Flo, was a draw just about fair in this? Yeah, well, before I was so rudely interrupted by the bong, I would have gone on to say that, yeah, it was it was the fair result and um, a really good result for Barnsley, given the circumstances. And I completely wrote them off last season on a, a, another football podcast that I won't name uh, and gave them no chance of staying up. And they proved me wrong and they proved me wrong playing really entertaining football. Obviously, use, losing Struber is huge and I am slightly concerned about some of the managers that are in the running for replacing him not because of who they are but more because of the style of football they play and then trying to bring that to a team that's been playing a certain way for a fairly long time now and successfully yes hasn't been a great start to season in terms of results and I think this I'm hoping anyway is going to be a way to kickstart that season and like you mentioned Woodrow had to wait so long to take that penalty so with all the pressure with everything they've been through having to wait so long to then finish in the way he did and having signed a new contract and I'm just hoping this will give them a little bit of a bounce um, and whoever does come in can take them forward a little bit but I, I do think they'll still struggle this season but to defy a team that are really flying and look so good. I think it was a great result. Yeah, just had a look at the uh, the odds for next Barnsley manager. Adam Murray is still in there, albeit he is behind the likes of Darren Moore, Danny Cowley and Eddie Howe. Um, just finally on this game, wanted the ex-pro's opinion on this as well as yours, Flo. We'll start with you, Clarkey. Corley Woodrow's penalty smashed high into the top corner of the net. Is that the most aesthetically pleasing type of penalty there is? <laughs> I think the most aesthetically pleasing penalty is in off the woodwork. Just smash it in off the crossbar or the post. It just looks just looks amazing. Um, but but keepers tell you, don't they, that if you go for the top corner, that's the hardest one. You don't see many keepers diving towards the top corner, do you? Even when they go the wrong way. They don't dive towards the top corner. They dive towards the bottom corner. So if you're brave enough to go for height, you've got, you've got a great chance of scoring. Uh, Flow power or Penenka? Power. I, I, yeah, I love it when a, a player just absolutely thwacks it as hard as they can. It's just so satisfying and also a big risk. So I kind of applaud them for just, yeah, smashing it. I got Kevin Pressman running through my mind now. Sam, did you ever take pens? Yeah, I did. I, I was never particularly comfortable with taking pens because I wasn't a great dead ball striker. I was all about placement. So I never really wanted to take them. But when you were... I suppose the main goal scoring threat at various clubs or, you know, you were expected to step up. I did take them reluctantly. I think I missed two, uh, one at Swindon, uh, important game against Blackpool and one in a um, penalty shootout. So I was pretty, 
I did pretty well and took some high-pressured ones in playoff games, etc. But you know, I never had the composure to attempt a Penenka. Always foot through it and, and hope that the keeper dived the wrong way. But Penenka, for me, on that subject, I think there's a Dwight York one against David Seaman that kind of doesn't make the net, if that makes sense. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And I've just always admired players, even in open play, that, that dink the keeper regularly. Absolutely. Um, while we're with you, Sam, let's go on a, a metaphorical journey to Adams Park where Millwall beat Wickham by two goals to one. Wickham did at least get their first championship goal. Then the net fell down. Then the beast came on. And what else did you make of it, Sam? Yeah, I thought it was the, the most creative Wickham have been so far this season if, in comparison to the other games. Had a, a number of chances in the first half. And Mill improved greatly after the, the break. I felt Jed Wallace again was their talisman. Uh, I thought Ryan Woods' position altered in the, the second half, which meant they compressed the game. They played in the opposition's half, which they didn't do in the first period. And um, I suppose that's credit to, to Gary Rowett's uh, management that they've began to show different strings to their bows, but more aggressive. And I thought it was was telling, really, that... Um, Hutchinson had the, the the most attempts of any player in the game and he also dealt with Akin Fenwa when he was introduced. So, now all in all, I thought Mill were really good value for, for the victory. And for Wickham, I think they will improve. They've got Gape to come back. They've got Ikpiatsu to come back. They need a focal point at the front of the pitch to enable them to play the way that's got them great success. To this point, they haven't had that. But I think signs that that first point and that first victory is just around the corner. Any idea why our mate Joe Jacobson had that goal ruled out? Well, I thought Dean Ashton was was brilliant on Quest, actually, to look at it and dissect it and say that maybe there was a a hand grabbing the glove of Bierkowski, which, I don't know, I think the goalkeeper's probably big enough and strong enough to maybe shrug that off, but... Definitely goes on, and it's probably something that Wickham work on the bloke who's standing on the goalkeeper's toes to disrupt him and, and try and stop him from getting off the ground. So probably just about the right decision, but really harsh as well. Blackburn nil, Forest won. Finally, a Forest match I want to talk about. I don't want to do it alone, though. So it's Miller time. That's Nick, of course, of Totally Towers and The Athletic. Uh, Nick, Hewton's in and Forest win. Is that a coincidence? Uh, probably not. No, I mean, you uh, the the churlish might say that you know a shot, a relatively weak shot going in off a defender's ass might be not the most glamorous way to win. But that you know we don't like churlish people here. So, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, on, on sort of balance of performance, Forest, um, I think quite clearly deserved to beat Blackburn on Saturday. And you know, as the old cliche goes, will Forest will take absolutely anything at the moment including uh, a, a weak shot going in off someone's ass. and that that weak shot came from Joe Lolly his fitness going to be key isn't it because the fact that he's been in and out with with this injury problem for a while now really didn't help Sabri Lamushi yeah and he, he spoke about this after the game where he's he basically said he's since since the start of the what it will what is now the first lockdown he had been suffering from this problem this kind of muscular problem that um kind of prevents him from operating at full fitness really it's not really a sort of strain or a tear or anything like that but it's something that requires injections and apparently those injections take quite a long time to sort of have any impact so he's now had those injections and um has you know looks all the livelier because you know despite him being Forrest, probably for his best player in the sort of eighteen nineteen season, he was quite patchy last season, and particularly as with the rest of the team um, after lockdown. So, if he can be back to full strength, then um, Forrest will be very heavily on their way back to full strength as well. Um, it's nice to talk to you about a one 0 win away to Blackburn, but it's not the real reason that you're here. It will please listeners to this podcast, I'm sure, to know that there's a new pod in town, specifically a Nottingham Forest one. Tell us about it. Yes, uh, this will be absolutely delicious news for that chap who complains on Twitter every time that Matt mentions Forest on the show. Um, <laughs> it's called Two Stars, a Nottingham Forest podcast. Um, it's not just a kind of 
self-deprecating title, but obviously reference to I don't know what what's it in reference to, Matt. I can't I can't I can't think of anything that that might be in reference to. Hmm. Yeah, Nottingham Forest have won the European Cup on two occasions. Oh, okay, to, right. yeah, yeah, it's oft forgotten. I always like to remember it by thinking it's double the amount that London have won and the same as Juventus. So yes, one for each handy. decade since they've been relevant. That's that's a that's a cheap shot. Sam's not going to be on the new podcast, <laughs> or this one for much longer. And if if we're talking decade span, it's actually been three decades since we're out of the Premier League. So you know, jokes on you, Sam. Um, so yes, from this Thursday being October the twenty second, uh, a new Forest podcast will be coming out, produced by the Athletic. Uh, it will feature Matt. Davis Adams as the presenter, uh, Paul Taylor, the Athletics Forest correspondent, kind of telling you everything that's going on at Forest and you know detailed breakdowns of the games, and then there'll be me um, on what we'll call a sort of roving role at the moment. So we'll have interviews, analysis, insight, all that kind of stuff. Really looking forward to it. It is two stars. It'll be out later this week. Will it mean that we don't talk about Forest so much on this podcast? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Nick, thank you for joining us. I'll speak to you on Thursday. Speak to you then. Nick Miller of the Two Stars podcast there. Uh, Whilst we're in the East Midlands, some breaking news for us at least. Wayne Rooney will miss Derby's next three games after a friend visited him at home who tested positive for coronavirus. Rules him out of the East Midlands Derby on Friday. Get all the latest on that via The Athletic. One more championship game from the weekend for us to have a look at. I get the feeling it might not take very long. Sam, you went all the way down to the south coast to watch Bournemouth and QPR share a goalless draw. I would ask if you had a nice time, but I'm guessing by the scoreline, probably not. What what was the highlight of the day? doesn't have to have been on the pitch. No, I've already told you about my snacks. Um, That was just to emphasise how dull the, the game was. And I think... Listen, I'm very privileged to be going to games before anyone uh, writes in with a tyrant of, of abuse. But I am spending too much money on snacks. I'm overcompensating for there not being any facilities, clearly. So I had two wonderful yum-yums. Uh, fans of uh, 80s snacks will be all over this at halftime in the game, which was great. Um, we seem to be dictated at the moment, me and my girlfriend, by whatever's on the bake-off. So we've had fig rolls uh, for, for one week was my snack at football. Angel slices as well last season. So I'm hopeful they do yum-yums uh, in this current series. Um, but the football was not great, but I thought QPR shaded it. I listened to Flo's Open All R's podcast on the way down. So thank you for that, because it gave me some good knowledge, having not seen... My pleasure, right, my pleasure. Rangers always. so far this season. It was very good and very... Uh, helpful and um, yeah I thought that they stopped Bournemouth uh, in particular Lewis Cook the two wing backs did nothing really Stacey on one side and Smith on the other and that was purely because they were pushed back by chair and Asay Samuel and quite surprisingly considering what I've read and heard about QPR this season I thought Luke Amos was the the best player he was very important in closing the aforementioned Cook down and did some really nice stuff with the ball in terms of creating chances as well for Bond. So there was some good stuff and I suppose another clean sheet when you compare how they started last season. There's some optimism for QPR. Um, Not a concern, but there's probably three positions for five very good players now at the front of the pitch with the additions of Willock and uh, Adoma. Obviously, these there's two strikers to choose from, but the positions behind that, they're really well stocked. I would presume Chair will come centrally and play as the number 10. But yeah, not a bad performance. Bournemouth, a lot better towards the end when they had Dan Juma on the pitch and Stanislas. And I just felt a little bit safe in their lineup with Gosling and Lerma in the middle of the pitch. I think you probably need a bit more creativity in that side. And that's something I'm sure Jason Tinder will think of before Wednesday's game at Cardiff. So not a completely wasted journey. Yeah, really respect your opinion on football. Not sure I'd say the same about sweets, given that you once said on this show that you don't like Haribo. Um, odd. Flo, you're a ranger. Three draws on the spin, no win since opening day. How are you defining the amount of liquid in your metaphorical glass at the moment? You know what? Sam Sam would know as he listened to the podcast. I predicted, I think, QPR to lose 3-0 at the Vitality. So we'll definitely take 0-0. As Sam mentioned, clean sheet, which is huge for that team. And without Lyndon Dykes, who, despite Mark Warburton saying he would 100% definitely play on the weekend after obviously playing in all Scotland's games and playing a big part in those games, no surprise that he he didn't play. So 
I think having not have had him on the pitch and obviously can't be as effective up front, I think there were lots of positives. And from what I've kind of seen and read, it was definitely Luke Amos's best game of the season. It's just unfortunate that he went off with a knee injury. And I think lots of people are worried it's quite a bad one, but I think they're finding out on Tuesday about that. And then Rob Dickey, who obviously they bought from Oxford for a decent bit of money. A lot of fans saying it was by far his best game. So there's progress and positives to take. It's just working out how they can push on, really. Right, we're going to do something slightly different this week in terms of our odds. Uh, because there are some midweek matches, we're going to build an acker. So I'm first up taking my pick from the championship. Guess who I've chosen to win in midweek? Yes, Nottingham Forest over Rotherham. Um, Flo, you're taking your pick from the champ too, aren't you? Yeah, I've gone for a risky one and producer Abby, I think, did a shocked emoji face when she saw this come in. But based off of the progress that Wickham made in that defeat to Millwall, I've gone for Wickham to get a draw against Reading because in an acker, you've got to have a big bit of risk. Otherwise, your odds are rubbish and there's no point. So this is my risky pick. And also in Acker's. Don't forget that you can also put draws on too. People always think it's a win, but actually you can chuck a draw in there. So that's why I've gone for that. And I think I was watching um, the Quest show and what Dean Ashton said about Wickham playing like they're happy to be here and have won a competition. I think that's definitely true. And I feel like that too when I watch them. But I'm hoping there's going to be a bit more fight from them. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for their shock draw against Reading. All right, we'll see. Abby, um, you've put those two into the Paddy Power calculator. What odds are they going to give us for those two to start with? Well, as Flo says, you need to have a bit of risk in a, in an acker, and uh, Matt is not providing any risk with his Forest to beat Rotherham. That's four to five in Forest's favour. As for Flo's risky Reading and Wickham to draw, that comes in at three to one. Okay, two choices down on that, two more to go. That's the champ done. League one on the way, but next we'll talk transfers. It's the start of lockdown two out there, listeners, so grab your curry verse, dust up your lederhosen and fire up the umpire band. Thank you. Because it's Oktoberfest and our friends at Beer52 want to celebrate the world's biggest beer festival by giving all Totally listeners a free case of eight German craft beers. All you have to do is head to beer52.com slash football and cover the cost of shipping, which is a mere £5.95. Beer 52, as you all know by now, are beer pioneers and they've visited the finest small batch breweries in Germany to bring you ABK, 6% Feistbier, Buro Brauerei's Weizen, Lemke's Spree Coast German IPA and many, many more. Most of these beers have never, ever been seen in the UK and with Brexit round the corner, well, it's unlikely you'll ever see them again. You can choose a light, dark or mixed case and the best thing with Beer 52 is that there's absolutely no minimum commitment. If you want, you can just take this free case, try the beers and if you decide it's not for you, you can pause or cancel your subscription at any time. So head to beer52.com slash football and get your free case of eight craft beers today. That's the word beer and the number 52.com slash football. One last time, beer52.com slash football for Oktoberfest. So the transfer window closed on Friday of last week. I've asked the panel to pick out a couple of moves of note. Adrian, we'll start with you. What's caught your eye? Well, I, th- I think s- some clubs did some really smart business towards the end. I will pick out two clubs, if I may. Blackburn and Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Harvey Elliott, I think, is a, is, a, is a pretty smart acquisition. Someone that will, will add plenty, I think, to, to their forward line. Tom Tribal from Norwich also came in. Yeah, very good in the championship previously and, and, and he's only really just lost his place in the first team at Norwich and Barry Douglas who who was fantastic I thought for Wolves en route to promotion and then he ended up not coming to the Premier League and going to Leeds and not really playing for them if he can recapture his form then then he'll be great and, and for Sheffield Wednesday I mean they keep signing excellent players in my opinion Gary Monk has, has earmarked some real talents Jack Marriott's coming from Derby Still can't really understand why why he's not been given more of a run there. Uh, and Aidan Flint at the back. So it's some good last-minute business from the Owls. And, and you have to say, looking at Sheffield Wednesday, they, they don't look like a team that's not capable of of overhauling this points deficit. I, th- I think they're going to be OK. How about you, Flo? Any moves stand out? 
Oh, I completely agree with Adrian. Yeah, those two teams look like they've they've added so much. And Blackburn, apart from that result on the weekend, which I know you were pleased about, they they look really strong. They look really strong, and they've just got a very whole squad. And I, I think they'll only push on further. I think one transfer that stood out for me, but for all the wrong reasons, was. Colin Kazim Richards going to Derby, the Coca-Cola kid who ended up at Brighton off the back of the the Coca-Cola competition when they sponsored the Football League. I just I just don't understand what Derby are doing with that. The week that they also let go of Jack Marriott, who I know let let maybe fans down a bit because he wasn't quite as good as as they'd hoped and he wasn't as as effective as he should have been but it just makes no sense to me someone who's never his goal scoring record is not good he's always flying around between club to club he's 34 years old I just don't get it and Derby do so many things that I just don't understand in a week where they've also taken out yet another loan I'm just I just don't understand what they're doing and it's just bizarre to me and if I was a Derby fan I would be pretty cheesed off because it's not it's just weird it's weird (laughs) (laughs) it's a good pitch to get on the show again float um how about you sam what about (laughs) any transfers that we might have missed that that you've picked up on in terms of a club doing great business league one i think charlton obviously had to to wait their time uh bide a little bit of time but i think to get the quality of of ben watson obviously came in a few weeks ago brilliant signing considering who's running championship games at times last season for for Forest. Innis from Crystal Palace. Smith, a player I'm sure Flo knows well from from QPR, who is a very talented boy, just hasn't had a run of games, unfortunately, at QPR or at at Wickham. Omar Bogle, another one. So I think they're looking really strong and and have to be contenders straight away with the squad that they've been able to put together. Um, Two other individuals that I like the look of, Carter Vickers to Bournemouth. Brilliant for, for Luton last year. They were desperate to get him back. So that strength, strengthens them. Not that they're um, too short in that department, but I think he's an excellent signing. And um, one for me and you, Matt, Casey Palmer to Swansea. Seems to come up every season, every other month when he makes a new move. Hopefully under Steve Cooper, who I'm sure knows of Casey's work through the England ranks. He can be the one to get consistent performances out. A bloke who's got... So much talent, it's a, it's a real shame that he's not done it consistently in the, the Football League just yet. Yeah, if you wonder why Sam and I have banged on about Casey Palmer for such a long time, just put Casey Palmer goals into YouTube and you'll see why. OK, let's file away the transfer chat till next year. Next today is what the French would call Ligue 1 if they were referring to the third tier of English football in their mother tongue. It's Ligue 1, basically. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. Uh, League One headlines. Ipswich top the table. The Tractor Boys put two past Stanley to claim their fifth win of the season. This is a chance and that's the second for Ipswich Town. Well, the Accrington defenders look at themselves and look to point the finger. Sykes it was that should have got it away. But Sears is the one to profit. Meanwhile, propping up the rest of last season's beaten playoff finalists, Oxford, who've just got three points so far. Their latest loss coming to Peterborough, whose project vengeance is still firing on all cylinders. And MK Dons and Shrewsbury got their first wins of the season, and it's with the Shrews where we will start. Uh, Flo, you were at their game at the Cayenne Prince Foundation Stadium, where they beat Wimbledon by a goal to nil. Leon Clark got it late on. Were Shrewsbury worthy of all three points here? No, not at all. <laughs> um, much like Sam at the Vitality, it wasn't a classic. Um, Any and yum yums? We, no yum yums. I had mm. zero food. I had oh. some water and a cup of tea, and that was the full extent uh, of it. But yeah, the Dons have had such a good season so far. I mean, the fact that it took them 12 games last season to get their first win, and they've already bagged two. It is great, so there's lots of positives, but those are the sorts of games that they need to make sure they just see out and get the three points. They had way more chances, very good chances as well. Joe Piggott, who's in such good form and is really lighting up League One, he came close a couple of times, caused lots of problems, but yeah, they just couldn't score and unfortunately paid the price um, and a striker who's played pretty much everywhere in England... And a, and a man who uh, I didn't think was going to score based on kind of 
that his his lack of form so far this season and and he came up trumps at the back post and Sam Ricketts at the end of the game was talking about how he was actually kind of annoyed at Clark because he was standing in the wrong position. He didn't want him to stand at the back post, but Clark said afterwards that he was mixing things up and obviously ended up paying off. But it's quite funny because Sam Ricketts got a yellow card, the first yellow card of his career, uh, managerial career, and he was saying it was because the referee laughed after giving a free kick and Ricketts said that he didn't think it was very professional to laugh after giving a free kick. And Ricketts certainly has the nose of a man who has headbutted a few people in his time. So I would not want to mess with that guy. But um, yeah, first managerial yellow card. So there's a first for everything. Um, so he's 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 off up, up and running on that one as well. But yeah, not a classic. But I mean, all in all, Wimbledon fans must be so chuffed with how their season's going. And they're weeks away now to returning to Plough Lane. So it's just really positive over over there. Sam Ricketts, he needs to take a chill pill, doesn't he? He's, he's moaning at the, the goal scorer for, for being in the wrong place when he was in the right place. And now he's moaning at refs for smiling. Crazy. Be brave to there, take come on, have, have a laugh. Have a laugh, Sam. <laughs> I was going to say um, the Leon Clark's most famous moment when he clashed with Paolo Di Canio, I think in front of the Sky Sports cameras after a game. Um, when he was playing for De Canio Swindon and uh, De Canio had told him that he had to do some extra running post-match and cue a big fracar on the pitch. It was absolutely <laughs> glorious. Big win, that, actually, for, for Sam Ricketts. Only won two of their last 14. This was their first win of this season. Um, Sam, you were looking at MK Dons 2, Gillingham 0. MK Dons' first win of the season, beating a Gillingham side that we showered with praise last week. Cameron Jerome... Probably the star man here, and, and we've spoken previously about about MK playing some pretty stuff without the the penetration to go with it, and, and maybe they've solved that problem in in getting Jerome in. Yeah, spot on, Matt. And sorry if I bore the listeners, but it's a victory that I kind of smelt coming. I, I know exactly what they're doing there because of I know some of the backroom staff at the club. The way they're playing is so reminiscent of Swindon um, five or six years ago under Mark Cooper and the now MK Don's assistant manager, Luke Williams. So what they got at the weekend was a complete collective performance in every area of the pitch, completely dominated. The reason, one of the big reasons they're doing that is because of Richard Keogh's that central centre-half, perfect for that role, coming out uh, and playing with the ball. They've got a central midfield player, Kasumu, who can drop in and get on the ball as well. It's it's a carbon copy of what they were doing at, at Swindon. And at the weekend, they got the goals. Two amazing goals in terms of the level. If you watch the build-up, uh, the intricate passing, they got the finishing touches with Carlton Morris and um, Cameron Jerome, as you mentioned, Matt, uh, putting the gloss on some brilliant moves. And what I did notice, and it's what something I commented the other week, they were really poor with their final ball or taking shots from difficult angles or from two longer distances, the most attempts inside the box so far this season. So I just think the the calibre of chance was a lot better and uh, they've got a couple of players at the top end of the pitch who can be clinical moving forward. But I think the standout at the moment is Fraser in midfield along with Louis Thompson. Great dynamic midfield they've got there. So I really like it. like the squad, like the bench. I think that's a team very much on the up. Good stuff. Uh, Swindon nil, Sunderland two. Meanwhile, Clark, we spoke a fair bit about Swindon last week. Sunderland not mentioned them too much. I guess in their eyes, that that's probably good news. Uh, yet to lose a game and Phil Parkinson kind of quietly going about his business. Yeah, I think you're bang on. They're, they're ticking along very efficiently, aren't they, uh, Sunderland? Um, and they did this with a depleted back back line. They they lost Jordan Willis. Early on in the game, they had Flanagan suspended. So they had to change, re, do quite a big rejig, actually. Luke O'Neill, who we know as a flying right wing back, played left side centre half. So so it wasn't ideal, but but they pressed Swindon. We know that Swindon liked to, to press and get about it. But some, this victory was all about industry and endeavour and the collective. And, and, and the midfield unit, I do like it at Sunderland. It's... It's it's very hard working with Ledbitter in the middle, sort of anchoring things, all the experience in the world, and then Scoen and Power either side. I think that's 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 a really strong League One midfield. And and then of course you've got the two best players, the two players that they really rely on, I think Sunderland, because they're quite boring. They're a little bit functional, aren't they? The Black Cats. 
But but in Maguire, they've got a match winner who can score great goals. And, and in Gooch, they've got somebody who dribbles with it, who, who's got a bit of um, pace. And, and and he comes up with big moments. And, and, and it was a, a fantastic cross from, from Gooch to, to Wyke to open the scoring. So, yeah, Sunderland, I think, are looking pretty good. And when you consider that Wyke played up top, they've got Graham and Grigg as backup strikers. They're in pretty rude, rude, uh, rude health at the moment. It's just Maguire and Gooch. If something happens to them, will they have that creativity? Uh, that's my only concern for Sunderland. If they stay fit all season, I think Sunderland will be right up there with the likes of Ipswich and Peterborough. All right, let's get back to our Paddy Power midweek acker then. Uh, Sam, I believe that your selection comes from League One. Yeah, just off the back of what I said um, earlier, fancy Charlton, considering the um, the squad they've got now, the feel-good factor after the 1-0 over, over Wigan to go up to Blackpool on Tuesday night and maybe head back south with all three points. I think they've conceded seven goals in the last two home games, Blackpool. We know that they're a bit top-heavy, so expect Charlton to, to maybe take all three points. Abby, what are the odds on that game and what does it do to our bet? So for Charlton to beat Blackpool, the odds are 23 to 10 and you'll just have to wait a little bit longer to see what that does to the Acker. Thanks. All right, final stop, League Two. The Totally Football Shows and The Athletic are delighted to be supporting Football Aid for the months of October and November. Bid now at footballaid.com to get your hands on some incredible football memorabilia, including signed shirts from Steven Gerrard, Luca Vialli, Gareth Bale and even Peter Crouch's boots. Find out more get bidding and support the cause at footballaid.com. League two headlines. Cambridge back on top after a five-star performance against Scunthorpe. Crawley also among the goals, putting four past previous tabletop as Morecambe. Meanwhile, no new manager bounce for Paul Scholes and Salford. They suffered their first loss of the season at Port Vale. Scholes wants someone who isn't him to take over ASAP. And after much deliberation, Forest Green ignored the public vote and chose their new stadium name to be the Innocent New Lawn rather than the overwhelming favourite, Kevin. Boring. Um, I had an Innocent New Lawn until my dog besmirched it this weekend, by the way. Sad face emoji. Poo emoji. Um, Adrian, we'll start with the, the league leaders. Cambridge thrashing Scunthorpe 5-0 away from home. Another goal-grabbing performance from them. Uh, good brand stats tweeting, Cambridge United have scored Five goals in two of their three away League Two games this season. Prior to this season, they hadn't scored five away in the league since December 2016 and had only done it once since promotion to the EFL in 2014. Uh, is Mark Bonner the exception to the rule that you should never appoint the caretaker on a full-time basis? He might be, you know. I mean, his record is incredible. It really is. He's, he's hardly lost a game since taking over initially as a caretaker and now, and now full-time. He, he clearly knows what he's doing. It's a four-four-two. It's 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 built on hard hard work and energy. They press really well. You saw that in the game against Scunthorpe. A couple of the goals came from turnovers. They they are looking very very sharp indeed. And obviously in Mullin, they've got the, the most informed striker in the division. Ironside chipped in with a couple as his strike partner in this game. I want to talk about ages here because I think it's it's quite important to have a balance. I've never really liked Barnsley's approach of just having only signing young players because I think it just restricts you and I think there's a lot of value in having the odd veteran about the place, you know, role models you can look up to, like at Cambridge actually with Wes Houlihan. So, um for Cambridge, I've noticed that they've got a very settled team. 9 of their regular 11 are between the ages of 23 and and 30. Now Sam will tell you that is peak, that's peak football time. That's peak footballer age. I think you're all most players are at their best between the ages of 23 and 30. So that I think is a big plus for them and sensible. As for Scunthorpe under Neil Cox, all 21 players that he's used this season are between 19 and 25. All of them. There's not one player that's played this season over 25 years of age and I just think that's daft. I really do, especially in light of what's happened in the last couple of weeks. They got spanked by Forest Green at home and there's a little bit of nerves there. Sometimes you just need those older heads just to calm everybody down, say, look, chill, we're going to be OK. We're just, you know, leaders on the pitch just to regroup. They don't seem to have that at Scunthorpe and lo and behold, they, they get walloped 5 nil. And I think I don't think it flattered Cambridge. So, um, yeah, worrying times for Scunny. Um, but Cambridge are on to a good thing. 
Yeah, and you'd think that given that he's a rookie manager that he'd maybe want some experienced heads in the dressing room too, but no. Uh, next to the Battle of the New Boys, Harrogate beating Barrow by a goal to nil on their brand new grass at Weatherby Road. Um, Flo, in terms of how these two have done so far, obviously Harrogate have had a much better start than Barrow. Is that as simple as the fact that they've got the same manager that they had last season or is there something else at play? I think that that plays a big part and perhaps they've been dealt maybe a bit of an easier hand in the fixture list and and perhaps the situation of of Harrogate not being at home as well was a positive um, in terms of playing at a bigger ground. I I don't really know on on that respect, but now they're back home, you think that things will only get better and they're seventh in the league. And, you know, we talked about Wickham playing like they're happy to be there. Harrogate certainly not doing that. And I hope this good form continues because it's a, it's a sort of fairy tale, isn't it? With, with how their team are doing compared to, I imagine some of the budgets that they're going to be facing in that division. And perhaps this is maybe just a bit of a step too far for Barrow. And yeah, with the added issue of of a new manager coming in and then him missing yesterday because of COVID, it doesn't help. And games against your relegation rivals sort of uh, and, and a team you came up with are so important. So to then drop points and lose that game it just makes the whole situation a lot worse so um, yeah it's great to see Harrogate doing what they're doing and yet another reminder of why it would be so great to to have fans back because so many local fans missing out on a real community club's first you know time in the football league it's it's really sad really yeah very much so um Bolton's new boss meanwhile is Barrow's old boss as we know they've had an equally underwhelming start to the season sub Zach Dernley scoring in the 95th minute to give Oldham a 2-1 win at Bolton and um, Sam we thought that that maybe they'd cracked it a couple of weeks ago the Trotters but but it seems not is it still a case of all these new faces bedding in and that's going to take time or is there something deeper at the cause of their early season struggles I, I just think that combined with the new manager and his style of play. I mean, I'm all for young, talented coaches being given an opportunity, but I just think patience is going to be a virtue with this one. Um, I'm not sure it's going to work out. I'm not sure how many times teams playing this possession-heavy style of football in the bottom tier has prevailed or will prevail. And there's one thing certain they're going to have to tinker within the system to get the best out of Owen Doyle. And I know it's a bit of a broken record, but the guy's had three shots on target so far this season after what he did at Swindon last season. And if I look at the 3-4-1-2, what they're playing, Nathan Delfonso looks the more likely to get goals because he's more mobile. He can go deep. He can run with the ball. Owen Doyle needs a supply line. And I just think it could be as simple of getting two wider players higher up the pitch. They're playing kind of defensively minded players in the wing back roles, the wide midfield roles at the moment. So I think something has to give because 60% of the ball, again, it's the fourth successive game that they've had um, the most ball in the defensive third. It's all very pretty. It's all very patient, but ultimately they're not getting results at the moment. So, Yeah, I think you have to stick with the manager and hope that with a couple of little alterations, they start picking up some results. But not looking good at the moment. An old and much more cohesive, much more dangerous as an attacking side. A brilliant winner from Dernley, just as Bolton were pushing from a set piece to try and get the winner and um, exploited really badly for that. So um, some shoots of encouragement for Harry Kuehl and his side. But yeah, big worries for for, for Bolton, considering the calibre of player they got there. They're just not performing at the moment. Uh, Abby's written, is Harry cool in the script? So I just thought that that should get an airing because um, <laughs> it's a pun, but you don't need to answer that. He's married <laughs> to someone off Emmerdale. Of course he's cool. <laughs> is he actually? Shuri Murphy, was she in Emmerdale? Yeah. yeah. A good 90s Love manager. that. Wow. This year he used to go out with Marilyn from home and away, didn't he? This, uh, <laughs> they must be like, you know, they must be absolute heroes in that part of the woods he's in then because that's like Corey territory, isn't it? Oh, Emmerdale, isn't it? Um, Emmerdale still, though. Naughty's power couple. On, on, yeah, Marilyn, exactly. on Marilyn from home and away, I, I, I've been labelled Marilyn from home and away in, in my time. I, I think Marilyn from home and away had to, had to, had to sort of widish 
widest jaw, and I, and I got I got ripped for it many many a time as a youngster when I was more clean shaven. Must admit. So there you go. I was Abby's worried where that was going. With joy, because she's just found out the title for the podcast this week. I've been labelled Marilyn from Home and Away in my. I was worried, and I had reason to be. That's really not a, not the way I wanted it to end. <laughs> um, lastly, Adrian, for our Aki, you picked a League Two game from midweek. Um, which one is it? Yeah, I've gone against my my performance performers of the week, Crawley Town, Yemo's boys. I'm backing against them actually. That they go to Exeter. I just think Exeter on home turf are a good value normally. They've got, they've got a terrific record down there. So so yeah, for me they're they're likely to um, to beat Crawley. Abby, what's that as a single, and, and what does it do for our Acker? This is another one where Paddy Power have got Exeter in their favour. It is for Exeter to beat Crawley. It is seventeen to twenty. Now put that all together in the Paddy Power Acker calculator, and that comes out at forty three to one. Wow, be worth it. And of course, at Paddy Power, there is their Acker insurance, which is money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold fails. As ever, we like to end the show by asking an important question. This week's comes after Wickham's net broke. I want to know, what have you broken in the name of football? Uh, Clarkie, you can have first run at this. Well, disappointing. I, I break a lot of things in, in general life. I'm really, really clumsy. I'm always, just always breaking stuff. And um, But in football, I can't remember breaking anything. But I have almost broken a child's face, if that counts. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was always one for for just lashing balls at the goal in warm-ups. I just wanted to, to yeah, smash a few in and, and sometimes I missed. And, and on occasion, someone behind the goal wasn't looking. And yeah, I remember apologising at least twice to, I think they were both children that, that, I, that I hit in the face. So, uh, sorry. Was it an apology as in you put your hand up from 200 yards? No, no, I went over there. you actually go over? Yeah, no, I went over there. No, and I genuinely felt bad. I mean, you don't... Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, it's not, not, not particularly caring if you just hold your hands up from, from 25 yards, is it? You've got to go... You've got to at least make the effort to go over. Some distraught parent going, hang on a minute, Marilyn from home and away has just <laughs> smashed my child's glasses. <laughs> um, Sam, how about you? Um, well, copious bones... Um, <laughs> The front window, uh, the house I grew up in used to go regularly. And unfortunately, <laughs> on occasions when my sister was watching Neighbours in the front room and then someone would have a wayward shot straight through the, the, the front window. But the one I wanted to speak of, I think it's a sending off that I spoke of before um, a couple of weeks ago. And I walked down the tunnel and I kicked the fire extinguisher. And it's obviously protected by some kind of glass shield. So shards of glass went scattering all over the county ground tunnel and you guys know me I'm not the most aggressive man anyway so the anger subsided very quickly and I went crawling to Linda the club secretary (laughs) sorry Linda sorry I just broke something (laughs) in a rage um so that was uh my reaction to a a dubious red card what what was Linda's response Linda was an absolute genius so I'm sure she accepted my apology apology wholeheartedly and, and and probably gave me a pass because I was the top goal scorer. <laughs> it reminds me of that story, the, the best bit out of the excellent docu- documentary, The Test, when um, England produced that amazing comeback, wasn't it, through Ben Stokes and Justin Langer, the Aussie coach, in, in a fit of anger, booted the bin and loads of stuff came out and his immediate reaction was like yours, Sam. It was, what have I done? So he just sat there on his knees, picking it all up and putting it back in the bin. <laughs> um, Flo, I'm guessing there's been some QPR mugs that have been smashed during the concession of late goals, etc. Well, you know what? I don't know how I can follow those two, but I think for me it's more breaking of the rules. I spent a good part of my teenage years and early teens buying away tickets that were meant for under-16s. But baby face, you can get in on that. Fiverr for an away ticket. I'm not missing out on that bargain. So sorry to the EFL and a lot of uh, away clubs, which probably hadn't got their value for money from me. But we got away with it up to a point, And then one pesky steward at the Etihad, when on the final day of the season, that 2012 big finale... My brother was caught out by the security guards, and um, yeah, and and he he eventually made it in, but he had to he had to pay an upgrade. But yeah, it would it would be the the rules were, were the one that I was breaking the most regularly. Uh, as for me, 
just my heart, just just every week for for twenty one <laughs> years and counting, just just broken and shattered into a million pieces. Do join us for two stars on Thursday though. It'll be a cheery upbeat podcast about Nottingham Forest. Uh, that's it for today. George and Ali will be back with the Totally Football League show extra time on Thursday. We'll meet again at the same time, same place next week. For now though, from Flo, Adrian, Sam, Abby, and me, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. I'm Faker Others and I'm here to tell you about the next big thing. Well, actually, this lot are here to tell you all about the next big thing. I think he can go straight to the top and I think the ceiling with him is so high. I do think he's going to be an England international at some point. He's He really is that good. The question is, do you loan them out or do you keep them in-house? People within Arsenal are really, really rooting for this guy. The next big thing is here to tell you about the future stars of the global stage, the next headline makers at your club and give you all the information you need to know so you can impress your mates down the pub. You know, when we're all allowed back anyway. Until then, subscribe to The Next Big Thing so you can be ahead of the game. A bit like the footballers we're talking about, really. That's The Next Big Thing from The Athletic, available now on all podcasting platforms or get it ad-free via The Athletic app. Muddy News Media.